as parents, we are blessed with the gift of raising our children and helping to shape their futures. It's a challenge that can be both difficult and incredibly rewarding. We want to be the best parents and grandparents we can be. The Bible is the best resource for every aspect of living, and it excels in parenting. God's Word guides us in the goal of raising amazing kids. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us. All of you who are online, we thank the Lord for you. We're so grateful to have you here and a part of us today. And for everyone on all of our campuses that are in person, yay, God for you. You took that extra effort, and we're so grateful that you are a part of this service. I want to challenge everybody, all of Sugar Creek, all the friends of Sugar Creek, all the people that are guests of Sugar Creek, all of us. I want to challenge all of us to read through the New Testament in 2023. Did you know that if you read the Bible for 20 minutes every day, you can finish the Bible within three months? And that's the challenge I've laid on me. I'm reading through the New Testament, and my challenge is to read it over the next three months. But it doesn't matter how long it takes you. The truth is, however much time you can spend, read the New Testament in 2023. What will happen is, is that you'll gain more information about who God is, the mind and the heart of God, how you can relate to God. All of that is so important. So would you do it, all of our church? Read through the New Testament in 2023. I gotta tell you, I think that the hardest job in the world. The hardest job in the world is being a parent. I think it's harder than being the president of the United States. Because if you think about it, okay, the, the person is the president of the United States for four years or eight years. But hopefully we are parents for the rest of our life. Parents and grandparents and all of that for the rest of our life. And that we get the opportunity to make an impact on the next generation and the next and the next, if you think about it. Being a parent's hard. I remember many times, well, not as many times, I remember there were times as I was parenting my two, my two sons that I would get to the end of the day and I would sit there and I would think, oh, Mark Hartman, you are a great dad. You rock as a father. And that would last for about five minutes. And then I would most of the time be thinking, man, there's some things I got to keep learning. I got to keep growing. I'm so bad at. And there were times in which I felt as a dad that I was a total failure. I don't know how many times that I thought as we were raising our two kids, how many uh, things that I lacked as a father. And everything, all the spectrum, all the way from you rock as a dad to you are not a good dad at all, and all the way across, I struggled from time to time with the feeling of inadequacy as a dad. I, over all these years, have pastored several churches, and I've talked to so many dads, and I've noticed I get the same thing from them. When they talk to me about being a dad and doing the job of raising their kids, sometimes they are high on top of the mountain, sometimes they're low in the valley and everything in between, and I've come to a conclusion, this is part of it. This is part of it, of being a father. 
Kathy and I had some very distinct goals that we were trying to accomplish in our two sons. We wanted to be purpose-driven parents. And so we established some goals. It wasn't all at the beginning because we kept learning what it meant to be a parent all the way through parenting. And we would add small goals under the big goals and all that sort of thing. And we didn't hyperventilate over, but we wanted to have a direction that we were helping to lead our sons in. If you sort of looked at the whole thing about 3,500 feet, you know, way up there and looked down, there were four basic things that we were trying to accomplish. First of all, we wanted our two sons to grow up to be men. See, being a man is not an age, and it's not whether you can grow hair on your chin. Being a man is the ability to take on man-sized responsibilities and do it well. I don't know how many times my mother, as I was growing up, used the phrase, you know, Mark, I want you to grow up to be a man. I, I don't want you to be a little boy in man's clothing. And haven't you met some men that just never grew up? They, 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 they wear men's clothing, but they still act little, like little boys. And, and we wanted to raise two men. Second of all, we wanted our two sons to learn how to work and work hard. We wanted them to, to, to be on time, to be faithful. It was layer after layer, mowing lawns, then working for businesses. We wanted them to be responsible in their life, in their work habits, and, and to be strong in their work ability. There was a, a third thing, and that is we just wanted, generally speaking, to give them the tools to be able to face what life throws at them and to be able to face it well. There's no way while children are growing up, you give them everything they need to face everything in the world, but we give them tools and we help them to be able to face life and to deal with the issues, the tough issues of life. But most of all, we had the goal of our two sons coming to know about God and coming to know God and to, to learn how to have a walk with God and to love God and to, to have a relationship with God and to understand who he is and what he's about and what he wants to do in their lives. Everything I've just talked about, it, it, those are your goals too. And this morning, I wanna begin a new series together entitled Parental Guidance, Raising Amazing Kids. We can't raise perfect kids because we're not perfect and they're never going to be perfect either. But we can raise amazing kids. And that is what I want to talk to you about. It's four weeks. And by the time I get to the end of this series, there are going to be so many people, you're going to be thinking, I, I wish he would have talked about this or that or the other. Because it's endless, all the things that we face as parents and are raising our kids. And the truth is I couldn't, I couldn't address everything. And in fact, if I, if I taught on parenting for the next 50 weeks, we would still be lacking in so many things. What I want to do is in the process of going through the series, also give you some tools that you can go and explore yourself and especially some particular issues that you're interested in to help give you the resources that you can use. So four messages, and I'm going to teach them all myself, and then the next series I'm going to teach most of it as well, and then we'll go back to team teaching. But in this series, there's four particular things I want us to address. The first one is this, what is the goal of parenting? And one of the greatest passages in the whole Bible, the greatest chapters in the whole Bible about parenting is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And so I want us to look at what God teaches us from that chapter. 
What's the goals that I'm trying to get accomplished in parenting? The second thing is I want us to deal with eight key principles that actually cause kids to be amazing. We're going to deal next week with three of those, and then the next week after that with five of those. How do we parent in such a way that our kids really grow up to be amazing? We raise amazing kids. And then the last message is on this. What do I do? What do I do when my adult children are not following God? What do I do when my adult child is walking away? I'm going to talk to you about that in the fourth week. Now, listen, I'm asking grandparents, please do not check out. Oh, well, I've already been there, done that. Don't do that because you're not done. There's no such thing as done. You got grandchildren, you got great-grandchildren, you got to be a part of them and you got to be a part of the development of God in their life. I came across an essay that was written by a third grade girl, and I thought it was a pretty interesting essay. She was asked in school in third grade to write an essay on what is a grandmother. So let me read to you what she says. What is a grandmother? A grandma is a lady who has no children of her own. So she likes other people's kids. Grandmothers don't have to do anything, really, except just be there. They're so old that they shouldn't run or play. And when they walk, they are very slow. But they notice things like pretty leaves and caterpillars. And they never say, hurry up. My grandma always has time for me. Grandmothers can still tie their own shoes. That's encouraging to know, isn't it? (laughs) And they wear glasses and they take their teeth out at night. (laughs) Oh, wow. They are very smart. And when they read to us, they never skip any pages. And they don't mind if we want to hear the same story again and again. Everyone should try to have a grandma because grandmas are the only ones who have a lot of time for kids. See, the truth is, grandmas and grandpas can make an amazing impact in the life of their grandchildren. You gotta stay engaged, and by the way, so do aunts and uncles. And by the way, Actually, so do all of us, because if you are teaching children in Creek Kids, there are principles that we're going to be dealing with you ought to utilize as a teacher. If you are a high school kid and you are helping out with with one of the Creek Kids classes as part of a service project in our church, you need to use some of the principles we're going to be looking at in the series. Actually, the series applies to all of us as we relate to children in our lives. Moses lays out for us sort of a blueprint of how it is that we are to impact the lives of kids, and he lays out three key principles in the process. The first thing he says is this, principle number one, parents teach best what parents live. If you want to teach your children to follow the Lord, you've got to follow the Lord yourself. That makes sense, doesn't it? 
So look, look at how, how he puts it in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2. He says, these are the commands, the decrees, the laws of the Lord your God who directed me. Now the me is Moses. And Moses is, is just talking to the adults. And Moses says, here are the principles of life, what the commands that God has given me to teach you to observe. Now I want you to stop for a moment and I want you to circle the word observe because that's the key word. He's saying to all the adults, I want to show you how the Lord has told us to live. And I want you to take these principles of, of living, uh, uh, of how to build character and integrity in your life and how to know the Lord and love God in your life. I want you as adults to take these seriously. I want you to observe them. Now, fast forward, scroll down to the beginning of verse two and notice what he says. So that, so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord, your God. He is saying, I am telling you these things that God, that about life and about how it is you're to live that God has given to me so that you, you could know God so that you could help your children know God and your grandchildren as well. The bottom line is, Moses is saying to us that we are role models for kids, whether we like it or not, for good or bad. Children watch us in how we live, and they emulate us. Character is not just learned by being taught, it's also caught by children, as they watch us, as they see how we live our life. So, so how is it? We, we can't raise uh, uh, perfect kids because we're not perfect and our kids aren't perfect, but we can be a role model for our children by the way we live, by the language we use, by the places we go, by the movies we watch, by the books we read by the things we do and they watch us and they emulate our life as they're watching us live. So if you want your children to love God, you gotta love God. If you want your children to love God, you gotta love him. And so listen to what Moses says now in verses four and five of Deuteronomy six. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse five, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Now in these two verses, he is saying something to parents. He's saying something to every one of us that touch the lives of children. He is saying, there are two things that I want you to teach your kids. Now it's like 3,500 feet. It's not like these are the only two things. These are sort of the the high parts and then you fill in the gaps. The first one is you teach them who God is. Teach your children and your grandchildren who God is. Number one, God is Lord. That word Lord means boss. God is in charge of our life. He is Lord of our life. Teach your children by you showing them that God is Lord, that I I know what is right and wrong because of what God says. God is the one in charge. Second of all, that there's only one God. 
All of this universe was created by one God. Not many gods, all these religions. There's not many gods. There's one God. And this one God has shown himself in his word. That's why we call it the word of God. That's why we call it God's word. He has shown himself in this word. So the first thing you must teach your children is who is God? Second of all, how can you have a relationship with God? We've got to teach our children, how do you have a relationship with God? How do we do that? Well, we teach our children how to have a relationship with God by the way we live, by the way we talk, by the way we walk, by our actions, by our deeds in our home, by our language in our home, by showing them in our own life what it means to know God and love him. In, in Sunday school one day, a teacher was asking the little kids in the class, how many of you love God? And of course, everybody raised their hand. It's Sunday school for crying out loud. So everybody raise their hand, yes, I love God. But he asked the question to ask the second question, why do you love God? Well, then different kids offered different reasons why they love God. One little boy was quiet, and so she turned to him and said, David, what about you? Why do you love God? And David said, I'm not quite sure, but I think it just runs in our family. (laughs) Well, I think that's a good answer. And may loving God run in your family. May it be a part of who you are. And that's what Moses is actually saying. May it be a part of who you are. I'm going to tell you something. Parents teach best by what parents live. And that's the first principle of Moses. The second principle that he gives to us is intentionally connect life to God in the hearts of your children. Do you, do, you, do you know what the missing link is for kids? You, you go to church and all this and we'll learn about God. Yay. But the missing link that happens in kids is connecting the principles of God, the things that the Bible teaches about God, into everyday life. This is the missing link. Yeah, they can memorize verses and, and that, and that's all good. And I'm not putting any of that down. So do all that. But the missing link in a person's life is to connect the everyday of life to God. And now, Moses is relating this issue. It's so important. And notice how he does it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 to 9. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. Circle the words on your heart. You shall teach them diligently. Circle the words teach them diligently to your children. And now listen to what he says. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk in the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and the frontals of your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. intentionally connect life to God in the heart of your kids. So how do you do it? Well, he says, first of all, these truths about God, about how to live best life, has to be in your heart. It has to matter to you. You have to believe these things. You have to live them out. Because parents teach best what they live. But second of all, 
You need to teach them diligently. The word diligently is what comes to mind. The word diligently in the English language is an adverb. But in the Hebrew language, it's a verb. The translation of the Hebrew word that is translated diligently actually means to intentionally sharpen. To intentionally sharpen. And so what Moses is saying, intentionally sharpen your children to follow God. To walk with God. Intentionally sharpen them to know and follow God. When do you do this? Well, when you sit in your house. How many of you sit in your house? All of us do. When you are along the way. When you're in your car, he didn't know about that. He probably could have said when you're on your donkey or whatever. But when you're, uh, you're traveling and you're in your car, when you lie down at night, when you rise up in the morning, what is he saying? He's saying in everyday life, along the path, along the way, that's where you're sharpening your children in their love for God. And I'm telling you, this is the missing link. You see, what happens is parents say, I'm not a Bible teacher. I'm not a theologian. I haven't been to seminary. Come on. I can't do all that. Oh, yeah, you can. In fact, this was the idea that along your path, you explain the principles of God in your life as you encounter them. So let's imagine you have someone who treats you so mean, who says things about you that's not true who hurts your feelings, that, who anger you. And what you want to do is retaliate. That's what it is just rising up in you. I want to get back at that person. And then you remember, no, do, don't do that. Instead, forgive them. They don't deserve it, but you didn't deserve it and God forgave you. So forgive them. Let it go. See, if you don't let it go, it'll hurt you more then it hurts the other person. So let it go, forgive that person because God told you to do that. Now what happens? You go through that experience and you do what the Bible says. And that night, maybe you're talking to your children or one of your kids and you, you say, don't give any details and don't give names, okay? Oh, please don't mess this up. You say to your child, I, uh, I had an experience today. Somebody, I'm not going to tell you who, said something, I'm not going to tell you what, but it was hurtful to me. And I want to tell you, I wanted to retaliate. I wanted to say something mad, not nice about them. And I was really tempted today to get mad. And I'm going to tell you what happened to me. I remember that God told me I need to forgive, even when a person doesn't deserve it. And I won't tell you it was hard but I made the decision today to forgive that person. And I just wanted you to know that's what happened to me today and that is what God taught me. And I just want to communicate that to you. Or maybe you are out shopping and somebody gives you too much money and change and maybe it's 18 cents, maybe it's $18. At $18, you're thanking God, you hit... You hit the jackpot, you got a free 18 bucks, but no, no, the, the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to your heart and says, you know what? If you keep that, you're stealing. That's not yours. You need to give that 18 cents or $18 back. You need to go back. 
And maybe your kids are with you when it happens and they say, we don't have time for that. And you say, oh, we always have time to be honest. We got to go back. We got to go to the cashier and say, I got too much change. Here is the change that I got that I shouldn't have. Or maybe your kids aren't there, but you go back and you do it because it's the right thing to do because this is part of character. And then you tell your children when they all come back from school or whatever, hey, I'm going to tell you what happened to me. And you go through the whole story. Why? It was just 18 cents. You probably burned up that much gasoline just going back. Well, because this is what character is about. It's called being honest. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and I said, you bet, I'm going to obey you. And I took the money back. If you get a chance to show them, or you get a chance just to little tell them, that's part of connecting life with God. So you're driving, you're in a hurry, somebody walks in front of you. Normally you would run them down, but no. Immediately you stop and say, I think I ought to be nice and I ought to stop for this person to let him go by. And you share, <laughs> I don't know how much you share about that part of the story, but you know what I'm saying? This is where we're missing it. This is what he's telling us to do. When we're sitting at home, when we're going in the car, when, when we're living life, we open up our hearts and tell our kids, you know things that are appropriate to tell them and you know things that are not appropriate. Don't be inappropriate. But we tell our kids how we're living life and what God is saying to us. And in the process, what is happening is that they're realizing this is not just a church thing. This is a life thing. Tell your kids what you're learning. Tell your kids what God is doing in your life. Turn your home into a learning center for God. And this is why in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, he says, parents, don't exasperate your kids. Stop screaming and yelling. And use the moment that you experience instead to teach them, to train them in the instruction of God. Our job as parents is to move our kids to three stages, and the last two stages are sort of simultaneous with each other. The first is parental control. And I'm telling you, that has to happen. You've got to teach your kids to obey you. And let me tell you why, kids. You've got to learn this in the home, because if you don't learn it in the home, you're going to get out of, of the home, and you're going to say, finally, free. I am just so free. Oh, no, you're not. You have all these other authorities in charge of your life. And if you don't know how to deal with authority in your home, where they low you, they love you, they have got grace, all that, if you don't learn that there, you're going to have a miserable, horrible life. No, you've got to learn. And parents, you've got to teach your children when you have that time of parental control. It's critical for the rest of their life. But then as they get older, what you're doing is you're moving them past just parental control to you know, a little bit less parental control to self-control. That's the second stage. And the third stage, God control. You're wanting them to connect right and wrong and have self-discipline. And they do the right thing even when their parents aren't there. They do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. 
that they're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They're feeling the leadership of God. And you're trying to bring them to that point in which it's, it's less about the parents, it's more about self-control, it's more about God control. And I'm gonna just tell you, all the kids that are listening to me right now, I gotta tell you, you want more freedom. Everybody does, every kid does. It is that battle constantly in your life. I want more freedom. Here's how you get it. The more self-control you show, the more responsibility you take on and you do good with it, the more freedoms you earn. Freedom's never given, it's always earned. And that's the rest of your life, by the way. It's, it's the way it is. You've got to earn everything all the rest of your life, and you're learning to do it in your house. You earn freedom through more responsibility and showing self-control and God-control. I was in a meeting years and years ago. I was in a meeting years and years ago, and in the meeting... There's a whole group of people, and one person, one guy, was somewhat panicked. I don't know. And here's what he said He said, My job is so demanding and so suffocating that I don't have time to mess with my kids, and I need the church to disciple my children. Well, nothing else was said, and we went on, and I thought to myself, boy, that's not going to turn out well at all. That is not going to turn out well at all. Let me just tell you something. You can't take your house to heaven. You can't take your car to heaven. You can't take your stuff to heaven. But you can take your family to heaven. Yeah. You can take your family to heaven. And even if you have less, if that's the only choice you've got, take your family to heaven. And here is what Moses is teaching us intentionally connect everyday life with God in the hearts of your kids. Share what's appropriate, don't share what's not appropriate. You're mature, you know the difference. But let your kids see how you are living day to day and how God is teaching you so that they get an understanding of how God connects to their everyday. That's what Moses is telling us. Here's the third thing. Principle number three is develop three powerful traits within your children. I read this. 60 to 65% of a child's working vocabulary is acquired by age three. And I can actually see that. I also read that 80% of their character is formed by age five, and that scares the fool out of me. And that 90% of their personality is formed by age seven. 
And the point I'm making is start as early as you can start. Start as early as you can start. Dr. Stanley Cooper Smith, who wrote the book, The um, Antecedents of Self-Esteem, there was a quote in the book, and I pulled that quote out, and here's what it says. Parents who have a clear idea of what their values are and who communicate those to their children almost always, it's not always, but almost always end up with children that have higher self-confidence and higher moral values. So here's what he's saying. You've got to communicate what matters in your life openly, continually with your children. And if you will, they'll actually have a higher self-esteem and they will have higher morals. So here are the three things that I'm asking you. Build these intentionally in the heart of your children. The first is this. Teach your children convictions. Convictions. Convictions are beliefs that shape your behavior. I talked about these a couple of weeks ago in the context of another message. And one of the things I said to you is that opinions are not convictions. Opinions are something that we argue about or debate. But convictions are something you'll die for. Another way to think about convictions is values. What do you value in your life? You got to know what those things are and communicate them. Here is the truth. People that have the, make the greatest impact in their lives are not the wealthiest people. They're not the most educated people. They're not the most intelligent people. The people that have the greatest impact in their lives are the people that have the deepest convictions in their life, for good or bad. They have the deepest convictions in their lives. There was a survey of teenagers, and this might surprise, especially with everything we hear today, but here was a survey of teenagers, and they were asked the question, are your values the same as your parents? And did you know that 76% of teenagers said their values were pretty much the same as their parents? And here is what I'm gonna say to you. You really are going to make an impact in the lives of your kids. If you can have the values of God and incorporate those values and live out those values, you will insert those values into the hearts of your children. I'm telling you, our kids, especially our teenagers, are pounded on a regular basis. But it's not just our teenagers. Are pounded on a regular basis by other values in the world. They don't tell you everything that they hear and everything that they experience, but they're being pounded on a constant basis to compromise. And let me tell you this, if you decide you're too busy, there, is, there are gonna be other people that fill that void in your kids' lives. I'm telling you, that void will get filled and others that will surface and fill that void in your life. My, my oldest son, Matthew, made a statement to me. It was ninth, 10th grade. I can't, I don't remember which one it was, but it, it, <laughs> it got my attention. I just asked him one day, how's it going in high school? Are you, are you, are you, uh, are, are you facing um, peer pressure? Are you are, are facing issues that, you know, are causing you problems and in, in, in your faith and that sort of thing? 
And he said to me, no, uh, that, that battle was fought in middle school, but not now. And I said, wait a minute, I, would you say that again? And here's what he said. He said, dad, in middle school is when I decided who my friends would be and what kind of friends I would have. And as it turns out, he had led several of these kids to Christ or to at least uh, back to church. And he said, now in high school, we hang out together. I mean, that's all been settled. And oh my soul, I tried to stay connected to my son during that time, and I was in many ways, but I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that was going on, and it scared me, and it scared me because my second son was just entering middle school at that moment. So the next day, we, my, my, Jonathan and I had breakfast together. I took him out by himself with me. We went out and had breakfast, and I said, this is what your brother just told me, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be watching you like a hawk for the next few years. I, I, I mean, every friend you get, I, they're not a friend until we, we approve, and we're going to get to know all your friends, and all. I, we're, I'm telling you, because I was nervous now. You know what I'm saying? And maybe it's earlier now. I don't know. But I'm saying to you as a parent, if you check out too busy, we got too much going on. Somebody's going to fill that gap for you and you're not going to like the end result of it. If you don't know what's going on in the life of your children in school, in these days, you're nuts. I'm telling you, you're crazy. You, you got to get a handle on this. You got to know what's going on in the lives of your children. When they're watching cartoons, for crying out loud, you've got to be careful now. Disney has committed to, they're going to help train children from the earliest age to accept the LGBTQ whole pattern of life as normal. Disney. And I'm telling you, even cartoons, you've got to check them out. You can't, oh, go watch TV, go watch cartoons. You don't know what they're saying. You've got to be engaged in your children's lives. The second thing is teach your children character. I've got to get going. I'm really behind here, so I'm going to fill in blanks. Here we go. Character is the will to do what is right in, as God defines it, regardless of the cost. Character means a commitment to do what is right no matter what it costs you. That's character. And character depends upon believing in an absolute standard of right and wrong. If your standard of right and wrong is situation ethics, I'm telling you the character will be quite weak because by the time they get finished, they will have watered down character so much. But there is an absolute standard. It's this Bible, why it is the word of God. And he shows us what is right and what is wrong. And we, we connect our life, our real life to this. And you've got to help your children build character. And more, part of the way it's got to happen is there is an absolute standard of right and wrong. Because I'm telling you, everywhere else they go, everywhere else they go, everywhere else they go, they are learning situation ethics. And here's the last thing. You've got to teach your children courage. One of the greatest things that you can teach your children is how to stand alone for right, no matter what. 
no matter what their friends say, no matter what their peers say, what, no matter what pressure comes, to stand alone for right. It was one of the very important goals that Kathy and I had developed. We, part of, of our learning, our teaching is going to have to, how our sons can stand alone for right. And in the process, we created moments in which they would be faced with that. Because at home, if they fail, we're there and we can help them. So we created moments to sort of test. So uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, my youngest son, Jonathan, called and uh, he said, Dad, I just got back from a, a business trip. I want to tell you what happened. And he told me what he experienced on that business trip that of, of challenging him to do wrong things. And it kept coming at him by other people. And he said, every time I said no, and it was like, what's wrong with you? And so he said, so in the conversation, he told me what happened, what his decision was, was say no, and what the response he got back. And he said, I, I'm just calling... I'd like some advice on how to handle this in the future. I thought I was just so stinking proud of him. I, could, I didn't know what to do. I, I, just exactly the way you did it. And we talked through that issue that, that he faced. And I was so proud of him. I've seen him do this at other times. I've seen Matthew in so many times do the right thing at the hardest time. When all the pressure was coming against but this does not happen by accident. It happens on purpose. And you have to set this up in your home as you're training. And one of those goals, standing for right, even if you have to stand alone. Uh, a 19th century Norwegian poet named Isbin said, the strongest person on earth is the one who can stand alone. It's not the one with the most muscles. It's the one who can stand alone. I, I've, I've, I've been a dump truck here, just dumping everything on you today. But how it all starts is by coming to know Christ as Savior and making the decision, Jesus, I want you in my life. And I want to encourage you, watching online, you, you, you're one of our campuses in person, make that decision today. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today. We acknowledge, oh God, we need you. We need Jesus. We need to yield ourselves to Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life. And Father, today many are making that decision. I turn from my sin of rejection of Christ. I turn my heart of receiving Jesus, letting you be Lord of my life, and I give my life to Christ. And Father, for some, it's to recommit their heart to Christ. It's for, for parents to, to get to attention. This is serious what I'm going through. It's just not living day to day. There's a job here, and I got to get really intent on this job. And not smother my kids, but I, I got to be involved. I got to begin training, teaching. God, move in hearts today to take that next step with you in every area of our life, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.